Laura is a Toronto native who has been based in Amsterdam for five years. She started cuddling professionally with a small client base during COVID and launched her business, Lecker Cuddles, officially in March 2021. Laura's aim with Lecker Cuddles is to normalize platonic intimacy and prove to people that physical and emotional vulnerability does not have to be reserved for a romantic partner. As one of the first cuddle therapists in the Netherlands, it was a long and sometimes annoying road of familiarizing the public with the concept, but after three years, the mainstream in the Netherlands are becoming more accepting of the concept, and Lecker Cuddles remains an industry leader in the push to normalize a more vulnerable and intimate culture. Welcome, Laura, to the show! Creativity, authenticity, body autonomy, mental health, sexuality, gender identity, recovery, recovery, goddess, mental growth, suffer, sex, all of this and more, suffer, sex, you'll never get bored, suffer, I never intro the show like that, but hi, Laura. It's nice to see you. <laughs> hey, Louisa. Nice to see you, too. It's been a while. Yeah. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm good. January has hit different this year. It's been like a lot more overwhelming and uh, busy than it, than it usually is. Uh, but it's good. It's all happening. Things are happening. So I feel good. <laughs> that is thrilling. And you look like you're kind of radiating with, with the joy of it. So that's, that's really exciting to see. Yes. <laughs> and for the listeners who might not be familiar, where are you? I am in Amsterdam right now. Rainy oh. and cold Amsterdam. <laughs> yes. And you just, you just got back from a trip, right? Oh, yeah. I was in Mauritius, so I guess I can't really complain. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, in comparison, I do find like the culture shock when you're like, oh, a sunlight existed in my life for a brief period. <laughs> right. And like the vitamin D when you're actually getting it through sunlight. I mean, like it just really hits different. I'm like, oh, this cannot be replicated in yeah. a sunbed or yeah, a pill. No, it's like it throws me into like a low, like I, I have hypomania. And so whatever I do, like whatever I spend any time in L.A., which I lived for seven years and it kind of wore off after a right. point but like I feel insane <laughs> it's like ah totally can't sleep too much to do yeah. feel great <laughs> exactly. um, and before we get too deep into the combo what, what are your pronouns uh she her awesome and what is your experience of gender today <laughs> uh well I'm a cis female and so I suppose the word ordinary comes to mind but yeah a pretty ordinary personal experience that's cool I like yeah. that I mean, it's funny because I do think it's like a moving target, but like, I don't know. It's like, it's nice to be like, yeah, I I feel good in my own experience. I feel like, yeah, like regular in my own experience. For sure. Yeah. I thought about it. I was like, oh, interesting question. And like, I did, I appreciated it because I did reflect and I'm like, no, like, I think it's still pretty ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) But that's cool. No, I mean, because like, I don't know, we, we, I started the show with one other person and then it turned into two other people and I was just me. And like, we felt that the pronoun question was like kind of performative mm. so then we're like what the, what's that about then <laughs> so thank you cool. for your for your reflection yeah, and um you know like we spent 
eight weeks, 12 weeks, 12 weeks getting to know each other in the consent educator program with consent wizard, Mia Schachter. And I'm so curious about your kind of journey to becoming a cuddle therapist. And I'm wondering what the first messages you received around, uh, like, not only like sex and sexuality, but around intimacy more growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were all very positive. Like I came from a family with lots of like hugs and kisses and I loved you and lots of just like support around our emotions and yeah, like a lot of encouragement to share how we feel. And so I'm super grateful for that. That definitely informed kind of like, you know, that's the foundation of, of where I am today for sure. Awesome. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there was definitely limits. Like if I'm recalling correctly, I'm pretty sure like for the sex talk, for example, my parents just like slid a book across the table and just like <laughs> ran away. So it wasn't like, you know, super vulnerable and entirely open, but definitely within reason was like full of affection and very positive. Um, but yeah, I would say my biggest impact on like my approach to intimacy and, and yeah, what had the biggest impact was definitely my solo travels in my twenties. Um, yeah, I just realized like the people you met when you were traveling, it's like literally all you had, like it was the reason for traveling, you know, like, of course you would go to see places, but your experience was just was always so dependent on who you would meet and how you would connect with them. And then I quickly realized that intimacy was the direct result of vulnerability. And in order to have any real intimacy with anyone, you had to be vulnerable and yeah, just connect on a deeper level. So I just kind of, that's where I really started just practicing being completely open, just like really, really pushing the vulnerability, really going there, really going deep. And it just made my travels and my life just like so much more enriching and, and satisfying. So I would say yeah. that was definitely the biggest impact for, for my travels. That's so cool. I mean, it's funny because like... <laughs> like talking to you is fascinating because you know a lot of our guests are in recovery from like whatever the fuck <laughs> mostly substance abuse right. and like it's such a different lived experience of intimacy because I think for a lot of us like drugs or alcohol or is the kind of like gateway to all to something that we couldn't actually access on our own right and so it's really exciting to talk to somebody who was like no this is my jam yeah. <laughs> I'm like wow that's different <laughs> <laughs> awesome and I'm curious as to if ever you kind of like either within yourself or within the people that you were encountering in your travels or the cultures that you were encountering in your travels like came up against like intimacy friction or like vulnerability friction probably you know like for the most part like I, I suppose it would happen sometimes when you know people are just like oh like okay not willing to go there you know I don't really know who you are but in my experience so many, so much, so many, so much of the time people would just need like permission to be vulnerable. Mm. Like they really did want to go there. And like, as soon as I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'll just share this about myself. And what about you? And like, I'm a naturally a very curious person. And I, especially today, like people are, they just want to connect. Like people do want to talk about themselves and they do want to go deep. They just feel that it's like inappropriate or, you know, not proper etiquette. So for the most part, it was, yeah, like once I would kind of go there or, you know, poke a little bit, people were 
often willing willing to to go there as well and you know it would kind of flow from there so I'm so curious and we'll get to like the kind of talk about cultural intimacy a little bit later in the in the Mm -hmm. discussion um because I do think that that's like a big a big deal and I know that you're you're from Canada yeah natively right and I'm an American and I feel like North America has this like kind of radical like and I wonder, maybe, apparently we're talking about this right now, okay? <laughs> it was like later, but no, now. <laughs> um, like, um, has a kind of, and especially I, at least for America, or maybe it also kind of like differs between different parts of whatever country, because like there's a book called Culture Map, which I actually haven't read, but I heard a podcast on <laughs> yeah. that they were talking about like coconut cultures and peach cultures and coconut cultures being like hard on the outside, soft on the inside, like difficult to integrate but like once you get in there, it's all warm and gooey. And then like, so that would be like France <laughs> and um, peach cultures being like kind of very soft on the outside, but actually kind of impenetrable once you get into the center, like that, like real shit is kind of locked down. Um, and that's like the Southern US states, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you kind of like, especially now living in Amsterdam, which like the Dutch is so radically different. <laughs> from anywhere else I've, I've interacted, any other people that I've interacted with. And I'm curious as to whether you kind of like noticed a, um, like a, a shift in, in that culture specifically with the intimacy yeah. and ability. Yeah. Like, so it's interesting. Like the Dutch, I would say like, they're definitely the, what was it? The heart on the outside was like the coconut mm-hmm. culture. Is that what it was called? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're definitely hard to penetrate. It takes a while compared to North American culture for sure. Like I, I actually, I'm not going to lie. I miss it. Like the, there's, there's this notion here in Western Europe that it's just like, oh yeah. Like in America, they're so fake. Like the friendliness mm-hmm. is so fake. And I'm like, totally I'm like, but you know, I'm like, it's, it's often not like just because it's fleeting doesn't mean it's insincere. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that like on my travels, like I think part of the reason why I was so uh, people maybe were so comfortable to go there is because, you know, you probably weren't going to see these people again. So it did make people sure. feel, feel more comfortable. Um, but yeah, just because it's fleeting doesn't mean it's insincere, right? It can be real. You can go there uh, and connect on this deeper level and then, you know, that that be it, right? So For sure. whereas, yeah, the, the Dutch, they're kind of like, if they're going to put in the if they're going to put in the effort, they kind of want it to be longer lasting. Um, so yeah, making friends here is more difficult. Like it just takes a lot more, yeah, like gentle persistence, prodding, <laughs> persistence. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But interestingly, the like culture around like, um, I guess physical intimacy mm-hmm. is a lot more casual and kind of like less sexualized in a way like for example yeah like this actually this never really returned after covid but the the dutch actually have like a tradition of like giving three kisses for example yes and this this throws off the french two kiss system because then you're like oh i thought i thought we were done i know (laughs) i know it's very it's very confusing and to be fair it isn't really a thing anymore it didn't really return after covid but even just sort of like the like approach to being close to someone else um, who is like naked. Like for example, the, one of the biggest culture shocks here for me was going to the spa where it is co-ed. There's no bathing suits allowed. It is 
yeah, men and women completely naked and it's just not, no one cares. Like it's not a thing. And like everyone's, yeah, everyone's just sitting very close to one another. Um, Yeah. Whereas in North America, this would be like completely unheard of and, you know, completely inappropriate. I think there's a lot of like, um, like a combination of like North American puritanical kind of like, like shame and purity culture kind of interwoven. And then also like, I think it depends how much post-war trauma people experience. (laughs) Like the French are like really private because for, for, you know, a good reason that like in living memory, there has been, you know, kind of absolute disaster. And I think there's like an epigenetic, like, and cultural kind of like you keep your shit private. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's wild because like in America, or I guess the Americas, we don't necessarily have that to such an extent. Like, because there was not like that level of trauma on our soil. We're kind of like, yeah, I'll give you my fucking email. Yeah. <laughs> like any information you want, I will overshare at you. Like, but I will, we will not do it naked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you realize you're an amazing cuddler? <laughs> so interestingly enough, like, I mean, cuddling is like pretty intuitive for most people. And so like, yes, I'm a great cuddler. And there's a couple like physical tips and tricks I picked up along the way. But I actually realized I was a great person for the job, like after I started. And it was just kind of like in ways you wouldn't expect that my clients pointed out. Um, Like, for example, like I had one client point out, she's like, you have a very neutral scent. Like you don't really Mm. smell like anything. And she's like, this is for me, she, you know, she was a highly sensitive person. And she's like, I wouldn't be able to cuddle with someone who like smelled strongly. Yeah, exactly. Just like had a strong scent. And she's like, you literally don't smell like anything. And I have many clients who are highly sensitive. And I had never thought that would, you know, like make me a good cuddler. But yeah, I've had that comment like quite a bit that they're like, oh, it's like such a relief. Like you don't smell like anything. You smell like nothing. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you just smell like nothing. It's great. I'm like, perfect. Um, wow. That's yeah. so fascinating. Because like you could never really know that about yourself. It, I think it's hard to smell your own. Totally. Set. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then also like I have a pretty strong body which is like for a lot of the positions like I'm taking the more nurturing position uh yeah exactly big spoon (laughs) or the mama bear which is like actually this is where uh my strong body definitely uh comes into play the most I have this one position I do called mama bear so I'm sitting up like with my legs open and then the client will like sit back into my front body and Mm -hmm. so they're basically like I have these like grown ass dudes like completely like laying on you're supporting their full full yeah I'm supporting their full weight and like they're always asking me they're like aren't I crushing you I'm like surprisingly no like my legs are fine and so yeah I have very strong thighs actually it's like mostly in the legs and so that who knew yeah (laughs) strong thighs make you a good cuddler also if you're taking these mama bear uh nurturing positions um yeah and then I mean they there's definitely I think the biggest point would be like in terms of like cuddling professionally uh I just have a knack for putting people at ease and negating awkwardness so like the the question I get asked more than anything it's like how can you just meet someone and start cuddling right away like I don't even do like a video call before I I meet my clients for the first time I just do a like a intake form like with a google doc but yeah it's literally like the first time we're seeing each other or meeting uh but within five minutes they're 
it's like we've known each other for a while and they're at ease, they're comfortable. Uh, so I think that's probably the the biggest reason why I am a good coupler is not actually having to do with the physicality of it, but mostly, mostly the things around it like that. Amazing. And then like, what kind of drew you to this work? Like to be a professional cuddler and to be a cuddle therapist, like I'm really curious as to like the certification and kind of like how you found out about it and why you were like, cause I mean, like for instance, a lot of people like, I mean, I wonder if there's like a five love language thing. And if you're like physical touch <laughs> or like how it, like if you love being cuddled and you're like, this is I, 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 clearly there's there where, wherever there's a hole, there will be a screw to fill it. Let yeah. me be the screw. <laughs> like, yeah. how did you do that? So, I mean, like I've always been a very tactile person and like I said, I've always, you know, just had, I've always been able to connect with anyone, put people at ease. Um, my background is actually high-end hospitality. I'm a certified sommelier. And that also, I think that also had an impact because, you know, at the high-end level, you're really like guiding someone through an experience and like, you know, curating a curating an experience, which I For definitely sure. do in my sessions. Um, and then it was, I had heard about it for the first time in like, I think it was 2016, I think it was a Vice article or video. And I remember thinking like, oh, I would be so good at that. <laughs> like just being able to like uh, connect with people through touch and, and just like being yeah, open and vulnerable. It's like I, like I told you earlier, it's totally, totally my jam. Uh, but then actually it wasn't until COVID that I took the plunge. It was when like, the world was like, we don't need sommeliers right Yeah, now. exactly. It's like, actually we're all like, there was in Dutch, it's called a haut hunger and it's just like skin hunger. And yeah, that's when we all actually realized probably for collectively for the first time, just how important touch was, for sure. you know, like it, it's a fundamental need, just like eating or drinking, but just because of the stigma around touch, it, it was never seen like that. Um, and then also the, like when the lack, the, the effects from a lack of it are like not as noticeable. They're not as clear as like being hungry or being tired. Yeah. Like, and maybe a little bit more long-term, like exactly. slow burn totally. decay. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I had already been looking for a way to transfer my skills. I was working in restaurants, um, here in Amsterdam, which was not good. There's no tipping culture. <laughs> Zero out of 10 <laughs> recommend. It's not, not cool. <laughs> So, yeah, so I had already been thinking about how I could transfer my skills here. Uh, yeah, and then I lost my job and was like, oh, that professional cuddling thing. Like, let's mm -hmm. see what the scene is like here. And there was essentially no one doing it. There was like one other person doing it. Uh, yeah, so I started with a, a small client base during COVID. Um, we were kind of like in each other's bubble, like just with a few clients. And it slowly grew from there. Uh, keywords slowly. It was like mm -hmm. a very, very slow build. Lots of like educating and explaining I had to do over the last three years. Um, the training I did with Cuddle Professionals International, uh, which is an accrediting body out of the UK. I did that just last year. I finally graduated from it. Uh, it was just like an online course, 20 modules. Um, and it just went over like the psychology and physiology of touch, um, the healing benefits of touch, boundaries and consent, safety and security, uh, like the business and marketing and promo side of things. And it was good. Like it, it, it was a good blueprint, right? Cause like, this is mm -hmm. such a new industry. Like it was good yeah. to just have like a, yeah, just like a, uh, a, a, 
like foundation of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just like a blueprint, a foundation. Um, like, did it make me a better professional cuddler? Like, I don't know. Like there was, I learned, it's like, I learned things for sure. So like, I'm obviously glad I did it, but like, I wouldn't say it's just like anyone can do it and like become a cuddle therapist. Like, I still think there are some sort of like intuitive and like natural skills one would have to have. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, I feel like a lot, again, like going back to the kind of, um, the sober part of sober sex, like there's so much kind of social awkwardness that <laughs> that we encounter on this show as like a way of life. And so to kind of, again, like be interacting with somebody who like lacks that and is aware, you like come off as like very aware that you lack that. And it kind of, it, it does have like a osmosis quality of like, <sighs> okay, Laura's here, it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> awesome. I mean, and like, you know, that we've been hearing so much about this, like, loneliness epidemic, you know, and it does seem like you really kind of found your lane at the right time as, like, people were so desperately in need of this, like, not only on a kind of, you know, like, in within COVID, but especially, like, post-COVID as we re- reintegrate so slowly and then the holes are kind of revealed, like, the cracks in, in, in society is, like, we, in fact, like, have lost we very quickly lost the ability to kind of like share intimate space with in a platonic way or in a kind of neutral way. And it's so cool that you kind of are able to meet that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So like knowing that touch is super crucial, did you notice, like we, we talked a little bit about like the different intimacy of different cultures, but I also know that there's like a different, relationship with physical touch and physical interaction like you mentioned the Dutch do the three kisses and the French do too but they also like do not hug (laughs) like and like do not like are kind of traditionally a little bit cold like my partner like doesn't hug his parents it's so odd (laughs) um and like for here for instance like a good massage is very hard to find because it's Mm. often on the kind of more sex work side of massage and like not necessarily about like sports therapy or kind of like you know like and and people are kind of repulsed at the idea of a massage they're like why would I let anybody besides a sexual intimate sexual partner that I love very much touch me (laughs) and I'm like I don't know because it's the best like I love (laughs) I love like kind of firm body contact (laughs) and so I wonder kind of how you navigate that like knowing that each person has kind of a different um, relationship to like touching and being touched and especially being cuddled. Definitely. Yeah, no. So like when I, when they're first filling out the intake form, I mean like one of the main purposes of the intake form is just like, why are you seeking cuddle therapy? And uh, yeah, like one of the options they can choose is just like, if there's any like anxiety surrounding touch uh, like I'll, and I will specifically ask about their history with touch, like their, you know, their background, um, how they feel about it. And basically I actually, this is, this surprised me. I, most of my clients over the last three years, like have been, they're like, yeah, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. Let's go. Let's nuzzle in. Like I haven't actually encountered so many people who just like have trauma around touch or are like having a lot of anxiety around it. But I basically, the main way I navigate it is when they first come in, I give them the option between two different models of consent. So 
the first being ask and wait. So it's like before I do anything, like I'm, you know, I will ask like every little inch I move, like I will ask, may I do this? May I put my hand here? And, you know, just be very, very careful and just very fine tuned facilitation and being super aware of how my body is relating to them. Um, so they can choose that model or the other model being blanket. Yes. Uh, so as long as it's within the code of conduct, which is stipulating very clear boundaries, uh, around the, the type of cuddling. So for example, there's no touching where like a, uh, undergarments would be wear worn, like just like up like the chest area and pelvic area. Um, but I was like, as long as it's within the code of conduct, uh, it gives me a little more room. You're going to give me a little more room to be intuitive. And uh, of course, if you don't like something, please let me know. Also, if you do like something, let me know. So I know for next time. And most people actually choose blanket. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. Which like, so I don't know. It's interesting. Like technically the Dutch are like a low touch culture. Like they're not, I mean, despite the three kisses and whatnot, uh, they, you know, they aren't like a high contact culture, like in Southern Europe, for example. Um, although the no hugging in France is funny. I didn't actually know that. Um, but yeah, I, his family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it is like a lot of people, again, this is like after the pandemic and like the bulk of my client base have just been like, nope, like let's go. Like I'm in, like, I want, I want to cuddle. I want to be touched. And I think it also has to do with, you know, my ability to put them in at ease as well. Right. They're just like, yeah, you know, I feel good. Like some of them will come in really nervous and they're just like, uh, and by the time we're finished the initial, you know, 10 minute conversation, getting to know each other, they're like, all right, no, I'm cool. Let's go. Um, I also have, uh, if they aren't, you know, maybe they are still nervous by the time we, uh, step into my office, which is a bed. I'm always just like, come step into my office. But if they are still nervous at that point, um, I have some cuddle positions which are, you know, distinctly less intimate. Like I have one called the back to back where, you know, we're literally just like sitting back to back and linking arms and maybe do a little bit of rocking. Um, or we can start by just sitting side by side, very friendly, you know, maybe just have like our, our feet touching or something. Right. So like there is ways to just like ease into it. Um, but yeah, I've actually been surprised by how willing people are to kind of jump right in and nuzzle in. That's fascinating. I'm like, I'm also curious as like, how did you come up with the kind of protocol? Was that something that you got from certified cuddle professionals <laughs> international <laughs> or was that like your own kind of like working through your own stuff? And then, also, you know, obviously we met in consent training. So I'm curious, as, or consent educator training, I'm curious as to that, how that might have informed either your practice or how, or your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the two models of consent, I don't even remember where I learned that for the first time. But I think it wasn't actually my training, but I think there's some other like training programs in the US such as Cuddleist. Uh, and I think like just from like, different research I was just like okay like this is how other you know established mm -hmm. professionals are doing it and so <clears throat> I kind of took bits and pieces from you know from other established uh therapists and I was like okay like this works for me like I'm comfortable with this um actually yeah I'm actually one of the only cuddle therapists I've heard of that also gives the client blanket yes uh, yeah, most cuddle therapists, they like require their client to ask, you know, like, may I touch you here? Uh, but unless they give me a reason to 
like if they like breach, if they push the boundary or breach a boundary or something, then I will, you know, be like, okay, we got to do ask and wait. Um, but I'm also like, I'm just like comfortable with touch. I'm comfortable with my clients. Like there's also a difference in, yeah, I don't know. They, there's just like a larger respect for like personal space and personal boundaries here than mm-hmm. in North America, I find. So I've been very blessed to, like, I feel very grateful to, to do it here in, in Western Europe. I have a client base in Amsterdam and also Berlin. And like, I've never had a problem with anyone pushing my boundaries or anything, which is amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm super grateful. I hear of like my colleagues in the US, I'm always hearing of horror stories. <clears throat> so so yeah, so I, uh, it always just worked, the blanket yes worked for me. And I just kind of like took different threads from different pros to kind of make my own protocol. And then as far as what we learned in consent educator training, like I said, like the, it didn't really inform what I was doing with my, in my one-on-one sessions. Cause the boundaries have always been very clear there. Like the consent was always the, the protocols were always very clear. Amazing. I'd say what it ha- it has like informed most is kind of like my own boundaries with my own like ADHD and how that affects my approach to my work. Like, okay. So I, where it gets like hairy is like my communication with my clients outside of session, because like the sessions are so inherently personal. Mm -hmm. I always say it's like my clients, it's not just like a regular client and practitioner relationship. Um, Like it's somewhere between like a client and a friend. It's in this like sweet spot. Right. And so I, part of it being a like personal service, I actually have my clients uh, reach out on like WhatsApp, like on a business, on my business phone. And Mm -hmm. I actually, I prefer that for booking for them to book. And then I also encourage them to share any reflections uh, from the session they might have, because this is very useful, not only for them just to, you know, kind of read it back themselves, but then also it's useful for me to see like how I would guide the next session. Right. But then where I am, you know, where I have been now considering my own boundaries since we, since we learned about it is kind of like, I, you know, I make it very clear to my clients. I'm like, okay, like I'm not always, you know, I manage their expectations. I'm like, I'm not always going to be able to text back right away. I'll let you know if this is something we need to talk about later, you know, in, in the next session. But then I'm so impulsive. Like sometimes I'll read a text and I'm just like, oh, okay. Like I have the perfect reply. I'm going to reply now. But then all of a sudden I've spent like 30 minutes crafting a reply. I have my next client is, is downstairs. I haven't like done my like somatic shaking to like shake Mm. off my previous client. Or like, I have like a long, like hand washing ritual that I also do just because I was like impulsively like, Oh, I got to reply right now. And then my next client comes and it's like, like I have a, I have a lot of energy. I have a large capacity for emotion, but again, without setting these personal boundaries around communication, all of a sudden I've been like texting my clients all day, seeing clients all day. And then I mm. feel like I've been hit by a bus by the time I, you know, walk out of my cuddle studio. Right. For sure. So, yeah. So this is something it's a work in progress, but this is, it really made me realize like, okay, I definitely need to like rethink my own boundaries around uh, like how I operate mostly. No, but that's really fascinating too. Cause it does sound, I was like, I was going to ask like how you kind of like, yeah, contain your, like, it sounds like you have a lot of ritual wrapped into kind of how you maintain your own, like, edges. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious about that. And I'm also, like, 
I don't know. There's so much, so many things I want to ask. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you, how do you find your clients or how do they, how do your clients find you? Is it mostly like personal reference? Like, and, and also how do you kind of keep yourself safe in those interactions? Like if you get a weird vibe, it sounds like you're not getting any weird vibes, which is like a fucking miracle. <laughs> truly, truly. Like, yeah, no, yeah. so I like, okay. So there's basically, and there's always a, there's a vetting process that has, has to happen, of course. And actually this also like is, Another boundary thing, I was like, oh, okay, I should really, you know, have like a booking system. So I'm not like personally having to reply to every single client. And although that would work for return clients, the vetting process for, for some clients, like there's no way around it, right? It has mm-hmm. to happen. And so I have indeed like encountered maybe some people who are looking for a different type of intimacy, but I've been able to weed them out. And what the main thing I've noticed is like in my intake form, um, I ask like the reasons why you're coming and I have a bunch of different options, like check all the boxes that apply. And then one of the boxes is like, I don't know, or other. And I notice when people are just sort of like kind of being a bit vague, Mm -hmm. then I start to like, you know, pry a little bit and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like what, what do you mean by other? What don't you know? Like, and through those questions, then I realize I'm like, oh, okay, like you're you're looking for a different type of intimacy. Like this mm-hmm. isn't actually what I offer, you know. And but good uh, luck. It's it's Amsterdam. <laughs> totally. Oh, and that's like again. I actually I think that is one of the main reasons I am so lucky here to not have any. Like I've been so been able to keep myself safe. Is everything is black and white here. Like if you want sexual intimacy, if you're looking for a sex worker, it is completely accessible to you. Right. Yeah. And the Dutch also don't have this concept of like, um, like one of the problems in North America is you actually have professional cuddlers or sex workers that are using professional cuddling as like a guise, like, because they can't like advertise their services. Right. Um, Whereas like here, like the Dutch don't really have a concept of like, like they're like, why would you hide one of like an offering? Like if you offered it, you would tell me, right? Like, so they don't really have, they're not really thinking. Yeah, because it's like, not illegal. Yeah. Exactly, because it's not illegal. And they're just like, if this is what you offered, you would say it. Like, so there's not this concept of like trying to like push for more. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. like in North America, that's one of the, that's like the biggest problem in, in the industry. That's fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And I do wonder also, cause like, while you were talking about um, like working with people potentially who had a lot of anxiety around touch or who may be doing this as kind of a rehabilitative experience, like Risden Roberts, who taught one of the, the um, restorative justice class and is like a surrogate uh, sex worker and therapist like that she or they only work through referrals Mm. and I wondered if like if that's also kind of part of what you offer in terms of like working in a therapeutic relationship and like it's like it's it seems like your work kind of hits an interesting um like Like, crux between like um law where like sex work is involved and then also like socialized healthcare (laughs) that like like the things that living in a system where like sex work is legal and people have access to healthcare allows you to have like a much more obviously like safe professional like positive experience with your work (laughs) indeed yeah no I, I like I said I'm super grateful uh yeah so the working like with 
like with referrals with other therapists and coaches is like kind of on the very, very high on the to-do list at the moment. I felt like for the longest time I had like a bit of imposter syndrome and it was just like so misunderstood. Like I'm one of like the pioneers here and yeah. many people doing it. So like I felt like, yeah, just to reach out and be like, hey, like I'm a couple therapist. They're like, what? Like, who are you? And so now I, you have press. Now I have press. Exactly. <laughs> I was, yeah, I exactly like I was just, uh, yeah, my business, I was interviewed and my business was uh, written about in one of the biggest newspapers here in Netherlands, the Hepital. Uh, so yeah, so that's like, now I'm like, okay, look, like, here's the article, like, this is what I six do. Six pages! Yeah, I know, six pages in the, in the Saturday magazine. Like, and you're on Sober Sex. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So oh, I don't know what our Dutch listenership is like. What up, Holland, Netherlands? Sorry. <laughs> it's like, here, just listen to this podcast. It's all you need to hear. Um, yeah, so I definitely, that is something I, yeah, want to do to indeed, like, expand because of course people who are you know getting over uh like trauma like specifically surrounding touch uh this is a com- absolutely perfect uh service for them so i do want to find those people like i'm just kind of like surprised they haven't found me yet oh to your earlier question the main way my clients find me is google actually lucky enough i am the first search result when you google professional cuddling amsterdam um I only recently, this was a bit stupid, actually, that it took me so long to do this. My website was in English, and I only recently trans, like have it in Dutch and English. Uh, so I am not showing up that high. I'm not the first one yet in when you like uh, Knuffla therapy, which would be Knuffla. Knuffla, <laughs> therapy in Dutch. Like I'm not, I think I come up on Google Maps, but like on the first page of Google, I'm not even sure I'm there yet. Um, but yeah, Google and in terms of like client referrals for the longest time, there was just like still this, you know, weird stigma. Like when I first started, like my clients would just never talk about it. They were like super oh, wow. embarrassed. But that has shifted like entirely, like what complete like 180 degree shift um, in the last like six months or so. Like my clients amazing. are telling their, it's amazing. Like I think it's just becoming as the, well, you know, the it, it, we do have a loneliness epidemic, right? And like, I think, you know, just there is different media outlets starting to talk about it, but people are just starting to realize they're starting to get it. They just starting, they're starting to get, um, get and understand the value more. And they're just like, okay, like, this is useful. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. And in fact, I know tons of other people who might need it. So there, there's a lot more talk about it, uh, which is great. Awesome. And congratulations. And back to your kind of ritual practices for kind of like maintaining your edges and like being able to like, I guess guard maybe sounds like a bit of like a punitive word, but like, yeah, like take care of your own energy. Mm -hmm. What's that like? Oh, this is a great question, Louisa, because it's definitely a work in progress. Um, Okay, so when I'm at work, uh, I know my boundaries with how many clients I can see. I can see three a day, uh, maximum session of three hours. So a max day would be nine hours. That rarely happens. Usually it's around six hours. Um, Between sessions, if it's been... Here's the problem, right? Like I never know how a day is going to look because each session is completely different. Like I have some clients who are just coming for like a fun and playful self-care session and we're just like giggling and cuddling and like it's like super playful and like quite energizing for me as well, right? Uh, And then I also have clients who are 
coming to process like trauma and, you know, Mm. just like process difficult emotions and I'm holding space for them. And, you know, of course, taking a lot of that on. Um, And so between sessions, like, you know, despite how they go, whether they are, you know, like a a heavier one or a more playful one, I do, the first thing I do is just like a long hand-washing ritual. I mean, especially just for hygienic reasons. Also, I'm like touching everyone's face and like whatever. But like, I I love water. I'm a Pisces and like, I just love to, I just find it like very energizing and clarifying. So I do like up to my elbows, like a really long hand washing ritual. Um, If it was particularly heavy, the session, like if it was one of my clients who are there to process difficult emotion, uh, I will shake. I'll do like a somatic sort Mm -hmm. of shaking, just like literally shake it off. Um, I sigh a lot. Like as soon as like I like shut the door, I'm like, (sighs) like just like lots of big sighs. Is it you who brought the Andrew Huberman? Like oh yes breath, the, breath work it's the best yes. yeah yeah <laughs> can, you, I, like, can you describe it to the listener because I, I yeah I what feel was like it? it's so really helpful this is the um like a best way to release the most amount of like carbon dioxide from your system if you're feeling like a lot of stress and you have high levels in your system you like okay so you take a deep breath like through your nose like and then when you feel you can't breathe anymore take like one more little breath like and then, and then oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, but um, actually, I don't actually do that that much. I should do it more myself. I like <clears throat> will do it with my clients and stuff. Like I teach them that as like a practical, you know, like little little tip that for them. Beautiful for pro tips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here's where okay. So here's where the struggle lies. So, I again, like let's say I have three clients that are like. Uh, the, like all three in the day were like the more challenging, like heavy sessions. I'll feel like I've been hit by a bus when I go home, but so like I have no energy to go out, which it, making plans is rather difficult these days. Cause the Dutch, I don't know if, if you know this about that. They're like hardcore planners. Like there's no spontaneity, <laughs> like every, everything's in the agenda, like two Love weeks this. before. <laughs> I, I hate it, especially now because I'm just like, I'll have plans. And then like <clears throat> my sessions, which again, I don't know how anything is going to go. Mm-hmm. Like each day is different. So I'll feel like I've been hit by a bus and I'm like, okay, I have no energy like left to go out or, but then I'll get home and I'm, and I'm like, like I'm a textbook extrovert. Okay? Yeah. Like, I, I was going to ask. Textbook, like, textbook, like, right? Like extrovert. I don't, I don't need alone time. Like, I mean, of, of course I do, but like very, it doesn't necessarily energize me. Like that's yeah. not right. So I'll get home. I have no energy to go out. And like, all I want to do, actually, my self-care at home, it's a bit embarrassing. I don't even know if I want to say it, but I will. But like, okay, shame-free, like shame-free zone here. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Vulnerability. <laughs> let's go. But no, I, I, okay. So my death row meal is nachos. Okay. Like I love nachos. Fantastic. And just, yeah, like just so good. And, but we're in Western Europe. Like there's no good nachos There's here. a microwave. <laughs> but what? No, so there's one place. It's like, shout out Taco Mundo here in Amsterdam. <laughs> they deliver till 1030, which is late here in Amsterdam. And so like, I'll just like get home, like lay on my couch and just like order like mediocre nachos and just like eat them while being horizontal. And yeah, so that's like my self-care ritual. But (laughs) yeah, what I'm really trying to work, like what I'm trying to figure out right now is I'm like, okay, like I don't, I get my energy from people, but I, I, 
I don't have the energy to see the people that will energize me, but I'm not necessarily getting energy from being alone at home either. So yeah, something I'm still trying to figure out, but uh, yeah, it's a work in progress. But that's, I mean, it's, it's cool that you know what you're seeking, right? About yeah. like, maybe somebody to kind of cuddle you at a certain point. <laughs> True. Yeah. And actually those are always nice too. Cause I have, um, so one small like cohort of clients that I see, I call them my platonic surrogate companions. And so these are like a group of like younger, they're usually younger dudes who, um, they kind of like, they missed out on like, uh, really important years where they would kind of get this like natural practice out there in the wild, like in these intimate scenarios with another person, they like completely missed out on these four years. Right. So they, in these sessions, when I see them, they are the ones that want to take the more like nurturing positions and like, I'm the one like being held and I'm just like, this is awesome. (laughs) So yeah, so those are always really nice, but typically it is me taking the more nurturing positions. And yet I've thought about, so this, is interesting there are like a couple other cuddle therapists here and I have thought of seeing a cuddle therapist myself for rejuvenation but uh honestly I'm like I feel like I just like wouldn't be able to turn off the I'd be like analyzing everything and like, oh I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like a natural critic you're like you're like, a professional <laughs> Like I'm, so, I'm a critic, okay. So I'm just gonna be like, oh, okay. Well, she does it like this. I, like, I don't know. I just like wouldn't be able to. She turn has it a off. sense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I do wonder, actually, like, like with your surrogate uh, cuddle partners, what, um, like, if this if this occupation has or presently affects like your own sexual or romantic like uh, interactions, or how, yeah, how you kind of keep it really separate or if it matters to your partners or like how do you mm-hmm. deal with that so okay so interestingly enough I think the it had the biggest impact well actually I was reflecting on this recently so when I first started it definitely impacted my connections in that like I feel like I was actually trying to like subconsciously but like later I reflected and I was subconsciously trying to like validate my own therapeutic impact by like, quote unquote, like lecker cuddling people all the time. So like my best friend and I, we actually use it as like a verb. Like I was just, yeah, like I lecker cuddled them. <laughs> meaning, meaning like I just really uh, facilitated the vulnerability, like, you know, really like pushed for this like intimacy. Uh, yeah. yeah, not, I don't want to say push for it, but facilitated the vulnerability and then they felt comfortable to go there. And then it's just this like, you know, just whirlwind of like a vulnerable vortex and like so I so I was kind of like I really had my like foot on the gas doing this with like all my connections and again just reflecting back I think I was doing this because I did have a bit of imposter syndrome and I was trying to validate myself and like prove my own therapeutic impact Mm. but I was doing this with like all my romantic connections and I mean, is it also possible that that's just kind of also your nature? Like for, for me, I know I, in the past I've been told by partners, like, like I'm not your sponsee. Like I, I sponsor a lot of people <laughs> through the 12 steps yeah. and like, it involves a lot of like loving on them and problem solving right. and kind of giving advice and like some like partners would be like, no, 
Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. This is not our relationship. But I mean, it's also like, so now I'll ask, like, do you want feedback or do you want me just to hold a garbage can? <laughs> um, just cause like that helps me get out of the like problem solver role, right. you know? And I wonder if like, cause it is kind of my nature. And I wonder if it also is just kind of like your nature. So it, it is, I would say like, it, it definitely is my nature. Like I'm, yeah, I'm totally a, a pro I, like, I, I love connecting with people. Like it's, it's completely natural. And I love also, yeah, like I want to help people and, you know, I'm, I'm a problem solver as well. However, I was doing it to a degree that was not being very protective of my energy. Mm. I actually, I remember I, my friend Angel was, was riding, we were riding home on the bike. Like I, he was dropping me off after a club night on the back of the bike. And I remember this is just like peak, like when I was just really, again, like, really hitting the gas and like just like being like lecker cuddling everybody around me all the time <laughs> and I got off the bike he dropped me off and he just like took me by the shoulders and shook me he's like protect your energy it's precious and I was like damn thank it, you angel right. thank you angel <laughs> and I was like damn it he's right and so like the way that has shifted now to how I navigated is I I'm a little more, see, this is funny because now I am a little more protective. I'm like, okay, I don't always want to go there, you know? And mm -hmm. again, this, uh, these are some new boundaries for me that I'm like, okay, where am I going to draw this boundary with like protecting my energy and not like jumping into the vulnerable vortex with this person <laughs> and like her cuddling them. But the reason this is difficult is to your point earlier, this is my nature. Like I, mm. I am down to earth. I do want to connect with everybody. Right. But I only, I do need to find out, like, here's the thing. I have the energy to do it with everybody, but just because I can doesn't mean I should, you know, yeah. like it's not optimal. There is, there is a boundary, there is a line somewhere. And I really, it's very confusing for me because it, it's shifting. It depends on a lot of different factors. Um, but yeah, so like as of right now, I do, I am, you know, kind of taking a step back and kind of like, okay, like not, you know, grabbing the connections by the reins and uh, just like making everything happen, which is totally my approach forever. Like I always just been one of those people who I'm like, yeah, I just facilitate everything. If I want something, I go and get it and then just like do everything. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just becoming a bit much and there's a boundary somewhere. I just don't know where. Well, I mean, it sounds like it also is like as the lecker cuddles like takes off that like it will become a more present issue like maybe it was actually really good for like while business was slow to have like a lot of abundant practice and now you're totally. like no 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 <laughs> too many hours spent exactly. cuddling today I cannot lecker cuddle you you're that's not it. on my fucking favorite <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly it but that's rad I mean also too I do wonder like you know the more we learn about ADHD and as you mentioned you had and like dopamine and this idea of like extroversion like seeking connection and then kind of getting filled up and they're like wait like where else can I where else can I fill up right if that's like the most ob obvious and easy one it makes sense that you're like connect exactly. but it sounds like you um like, I know that you're a fan of electronic music yes. <laughs> and I and it was really interesting to hear you talk about like how you like <laughs> For me, it sounded like you were like kind of DJing, like you were DJing experiences. Like when I talk about DJing, like you were facilitating kind of stringing together different like ritual movements in order to kind of build energy in a in a in a container, which is exactly what a DJ set is. <laughs> and I wondered if you like um, had known that you were <laughs> DJing connection with people. <laughs> um, 
and how you think about like building like building trust building intimacy kind of like through physical touch throughout a session like for instance I know often therapists will like at the 40 minute mark they will start to wind down so you leave feeling like not an open wound or whatever and I wonder how you kind of ramp up and close down or like what peak feels like in different situations Hmm. I mean, it really depends on the session because yeah, like I would say like if in my self-care sessions, I wouldn't say there's like a clear peak and a clear wind down. Um, here's the thing. So I, I, there are some cuddle therapists who like, they put a timer for like a 10 minute warning. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like when that timer goes off, there's 10 minutes left I did this for a bit, but then all anyone is thinking about for the 10 Anxious minutes. Anxious for the last 10 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> like it, ru- it literally like ruins the end of the session, right? Because all any, everyone, then all of a sudden, neither of us are present. Like we're both just like thinking about the last 10 minutes. So I do just set my timer for like the entire, the entire length of the session. And I kind of just let it flow. Like I... Like, I really, I, you know, like I do guide this, I am guiding the session, but I am always checking in with the client to like assist me with the, with the DJing, let's say, like <laughs> to assist me, um, even just being, you know, like checking in, how are you feeling? Uh, and then just like some more sort of like practical things, like I'll be like, okay, like, you know, what position do you want to do next? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, are you, are you, do you want to be on your back, your side or your stomach? And they're like, oh, uh, you know, and then we'll do that. And then, you know, each position does have a, a different energy, um, you know, which might be more high energy or more like deeply relaxing. But I'm basing that choice on like something more practical, like where, you know, how do you want your body to physically be right now? Uh, or, you know, for example, are you hot or are you cold at the moment? Like if you're if you're more uh, if you're cold, we can do something like, you know, a little more like fetal position. Cozy, or yeah. Cozy. Or if you are feeling a little hot, we can do something more open. Um, so, yeah. So I think the energy, it's just a lot, a lot more flowy, like, uh, yeah, more of a spontaneous flow. Um, and then usually I'll have an idea when the session is going to end. Although there is like a time relativity theory for cuddling, like the time goes by so fast. Like even I am surprised every time. So sometimes we are a bit like caught off guard, but I'll usually have an idea. And so for example, like the only, the sessions where I have clients who are processing difficult emotion, those are the ones which are most important to really bring them back. You know, mm-hmm. like, so if they are kind of like, you know, in it and, you know, just like really deep in it, when I, I will, it's either I'll look at the clock or I'll have an idea that we're coming to the end. And so I will just kind of then like bring them back to the space. Like, I'll even just be like, hey, like, j- like, look at me. Like, you know, I'll, I'll just like ground them in, you know, yeah. just kind of with either eye contact or I'll bring them back to the room. I'll like, you know, instruct them to kind of like look at the room and just kind of like bring themselves out of it so they can ease out of it. And they're not like, you know, in hysterics, like when the timer goes off. Um, But yeah, if it's like a more light self-care session, it kind of just ends and we're both like, Oh no, what? It's over already. (laughs) (laughs) We were doing hair play. (laughs) Oh man, that sounds awesome. Like, and it sounds like such a kind of fun way to kind of use your gifts to really help people. And I'm, you know, you talk about like wanting to normalize a more, um, 
vulnerable and intimate culture on your website <laughs> and in this conversation. Yes. Um, and I wonder, like, what are some actionable steps other than perhaps going to, or in addition to going to cuddle therapy, that you feel that that would kind of create the change that you want to see in the world as like vulnerability and intimacy as a shared value? Yes. Um, okay. So I have some really practical tips that like yes. basically anyone, yes, I love it. I'm all about little practical tidbits. So, uh, okay. So one thing is just sort of like changing our vocabulary, um, when it comes to just sort of like general pleasantries because, okay. Yeah. So like, vul- like vul- vulnerability is intimacy. Like they're, they're synonyms, right. Or at least, you know, like intimacy is the direct result of vulnerability. Yeah. Like I said earlier. Right. So for example, one piece of advice I always give is, Instead of asking, how are you? Ask, how do you feel? Mm. Like just the simple switch of, of, you know, that phrase, right? Because of course, how are you? Good. Okay. Like whatever the conversation ends, right? But how do you feel is like, I don't know. Usually it's people will be like, oh, wait, you know, it's kind of like a moment for them to be like, wait, how, how do I feel? And, or, you know, even if they say good, I will usually like my reply will be what's like, that like? <laughs> oh, I'll just be like, oh, like what's good? What's the best thing that happened to you today? You know, and that's, that's another tip is just like, be curious. <laughs> like I, <clears throat> you know, like just ask people questions. Like I said earlier, so I, from what I can, what I, from what I notice, like today, especially people want to share, they want to talk about things, you know, and often they're just, you know, either scared to be vulnerable themselves or they just think it's not appropriate and whatever. And, you know, like, of course, one has to be aware that how are you feeling question is not an invitation to trauma dump or anything. Right. But like, you know, it's just going that it's just making it like a little more intimate, you know, like it's not, uh, not just like the general, like, Oh, how are you? Yeah. And also I feel like the changing the language, like it can, it, it kind of signifies that you're genuinely curious. You're not just saying it out of like a pleasantry. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And then just like sharing things, you know, like just finding the courage. I mean, I know like, it's not, it does require courage for a lot of people. It's obviously not natural for a lot of people, but finding the courage to just like say something about yourself too, or like share something that you are finding challenging, for example, like, you know, sharing difficulties and challenges is a, is a form of intimacy, right? Like so many times people are experiencing, we're all experiencing the same challenges and, you know, you think you're alone and then just one person is just like, oh, well, actually this is how I feel or this is what I'm experiencing. And immediately someone's like, oh, me too. And immediately that's just like deepening the intimacy, like, like that, like just so, so deeply and so quickly. Right. Um, Yeah. So just like, having the having the courage to share about yourself uh yeah and then just like changing the changing the language around like asking oh and like even again another example of just like a very general statement like oh like how was your weekend or how was your holidays opposed to asking that I'll be like what was the highlight of your weekend like asking more specific questions Mm -hmm. in order to like get the conversation rolling and then once it gets rolling, you can kind of like go a little deeper, slowly, layer by layer, right? Um, and then definitely, I mean, I find I obviously discovered this in my in my practice. Like when the physical vulnerability is present, the emotional vulnerability will tend to follow. And of mm. course, you know, we can talk about hugs. That's like obviously a, a go-to, but you know, not a lot of people, platonic intimacy is not normal for a lot of people. And so there are just like little baby steps I like to suggest. Like for example, 
I find the least, the most like, the least intimate part of the body is like the legs. Okay. Like anything from like the pelvic area up is like obviously inherently intimate, more intimate. Right. So my, one of my little suggestions to like, you know, start exploring platonic intimacy is if you're just like sitting beside a friend watching a movie, just like drape your like leg over their leg, like, or just like touch their foot. Like, it seems so like, you're like, what is that going to do? It's so simple, but like, oh, no, it, it's huge. It, it's huge. It's so simple, but it like, it's so tender and like, so like unique too, because nobody does it. And it's just kind of like, Hey, like I'm here, you know, just to like drape, <laughs> just like drape one limb over there. It's, it's like, it's really beautiful. Like it's really tender. And again, it just gets this ball rolling, right? This like vulnerable and intimate platonic ball. <laughs> big, big fan of platonic handholding. <laughs> yes, totally. Although like people, a lot of people have find this like very intimate and it would be like a bit of a jump to like, let's, I, you know, if I'm giving tips to someone who like has Amazing. not explored platonic intimacy at all, I know from a lot of my clients, like I'm also a big fan of it and like totally cool with it. But like a lot of my clients, they'll be like, totally fine to like nuzzle into my chest but then they're just like don't touch my head it's so intimate. oh my goodness That's yeah so fascinating. no it's so fascinating it's like really intimate I mean there's like we have the most touch receptors in the fingers right like um I mean the lips the tongue the fingers there's like over 3,000 in each fingertip so perhaps also if someone is not used you know lacking touch yeah. in their life it can be just like physically like wow. the sensation is overwhelming right um yeah do you have any consent protocols for platonic intimacy? <laughs> um, well, I mean, definitely just like asking, like before you, you know, do anything. Before like, you drape yeah. your leg before over you them drape, and like, touch yeah. my foot. <laughs> exactly. Before you drape your limbs. Like, um, yeah, like I don't have any specific ones pertaining to platonic intimacy. I would say just like, you know, generally... Um, yeah, generally like, is this like a blanket? Yeah, is this? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, can is I? This yeah. a leading question. Can I touch your foot with my foot? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And um, finally, before we descend into the lightning round, which is like not that fast and not at all difficult, um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Where can people find you if they want to learn more, or if they're interested in being cuddled, or if they're in Berlin or Amsterdam? Yes, thank you for asking. Um, they can find me on Instagram at Lecker Cuddles. Lecker is spelled L-E-K-K-E-R. Uh, Lecker Cuddles or my website, leckercuddles.com. And yeah, I am available for cuddles in Amsterdam, mostly Amsterdam, but I'm frequently in Berlin and also in London. I am acquiring a small uh, base of clients in London as well. So like three fabulous cities I get to hop around to and, and cuddle in. I'm very grateful. Amazing. What does lecker mean? Okay, so lecker, uh, technically it means like tasty or delicious, but the Dutch use it incessantly to just <laughs> be like, cool. <laughs> just, like literally anything pertaining to the senses that is that is enjoyable. So like the weather can be lecker, music can be lecker. <laughs> and like when I was thinking of like what to name my business, I was like, what will attract Dutch people? And like they love, <laughs> they love things that are lecker. But honestly, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I regret it because I now have a Dutch word in my business. And in Germany, they also have a word which is lecker, like spelled different, but it only means delicious. Like it's only pertaining to food, but it's also close to the word that means lick. Uh, so it's uh -oh. all very confusing yeah it's very <laughs> so I'm like that was really stupid of me it was not a 
good decision. But I think anyway. it was wise in the moment, but then you were <laughs> exactly. like, now we're international, baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now we go in international. So yeah. let's see. Maybe maybe a rebrand, but for now, I it's like her colors. <laughs> Amazing. So okay, lightning round. What's your favorite song today? Ooh. Uh, okay. So wait, what's it called? I just the algorithm, the YouTube music algorithm, which is the best algorithm on the internet, by the way, YouTube music, if you don't subscribe, best thing you'll ever buy. Love it. Just fed me a Tyler, the creator track called Wilshire. And I'm a, so I'm a big hip hop head. I love hip hop and uh, I love techno. Those are the main, oh, the whole like spectrum of electronic music I love, but uh, like hip hop was, you know, she, she's the OG, the OG chick. Um, so yeah, YouTube fed me, fed me Wilshire. Wait, I just want to make sure I'm saying that right. And yeah, Wilshire. And it's a nine minute track that he apparently did in one take. And it's just like his, like, he's heartbroken. Like, it's just about like a girl he met and it didn't work out. She was dating this other guy who was his friend. And <clears throat> he did it with just like a handheld mic, one take. The emotion in it is so raw. I literally started to cry on the airplane, like literally on the way back from Mauritius is when the algorithm fed it to me. And yeah, really moving. It's not often I'm like moved to tears by a by a track, especially a hip hop track. So yeah, that's right now. That's the that's the favorite in this moment. Amazing. Noted. We have nine minutes. We will spend it this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm curious as to like what your self-care practice is. If you w need to ramp up, if you feel like you're a little bit like low or like lazy energy and you need to get going. Hmm. That doesn't happen very often. Um, <laughs> you're like, I only need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I need to ramp up, well, I'll make sure I, Okay. Yeah. So if I don't do Pilates, I do reformer Pilates, shout out PLTS here in Amsterdam. Um, yeah. And I'll make sure like, if I wake up feeling like shit, I'm like, okay, get my ass to Pilates. Like that is definitely just going to like set me, set me right, set me on the right path. So yeah, I would say that's good. That's has the biggest impact on, on my energy when I'm awesome. And strong energy. quads for cuddling. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your favorite self-care practice to like wind down or to kind of like get grounded? Hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I guess, like, if I'm being honest, it's like eating nachos, which is like, like, <laughs> like so embarrassing and disgusting. But like, no, I love it. I was yeah. gonna ask, what's your favorite snack? And I'm like, yeah. Okay, I'm <laughs> Actually, no, I have a different answer for that. But no, like, I think I, I wish I had like some like more like, holistic, like aesthetic answer. But no, it's 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 literally just like eating nachos. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then what's your favorite snack? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Okay, this is literally the like second podcast I mentioned this on, which is also embarrassing, but um, I'm obsessed with like Albert. Okay, so Albert Hein is a grocery store here in Netherlands and they have these like dried mangoes and they're not just any dried mangoes. They're, I don't know what they do. I, like next time you're in Amsterdam, Louisa, you have to have them. They're okay. like crack. I don't know. I don't know what they do to these dried mangoes. Like I actually have a theory. I'm like, maybe they like wash them with like sugar water or something. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's no other ingredients listed on them. Like it just says mango, but I'm like, these are too good to just be mango. Um, but though I'm obsessed, like they're great because my ADHD loves them because you never know what you're going to get. Like some are sour, some are sweet, some are hard, some are chewy, some are softer. Like every mango is a surprise bag, like so unpredictable. I'm just like, yes, like, what am I going to get? <laughs> Your level of enthusiasm for like orange food. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, wow, this is so great. And I've never had anybody answer so enthusiastically in the lightning round. I'm like, Laura's the best. <laughs> Laura's the host. I usually write down lightning round, but I'm just pulling them from the, pulling them from the universe. What is, your, what is your favorite position, A, to be cuddled in, and B, to cuddle another person? And it can totally. be today because I realize that this is your job. <laughs> totally, yeah. So actually, like, it's pre- it's fairly consistent. So um, I love a, like, okay, so it's called the sweetheart. It's essentially the most, like, um, intuitive cuddle position that one would do. Like, if anyone is cuddling with their partner or something, it's like one person has basically their head on the other person's chest. And then the more, the one in the more nurturing position, like, has their arms around them. Uh, I love doing that, both both being the one being nurtured and doing the nurturing. Um, however, the one of my favorites, and it's always it always surprises people, and it's definitely a go to no matter what day it is, is the cheek to cheek. And so this is where we. I have one client; she calls it like the teenage coming of age movie because we're both just like <laughs> looking up at the sky, like <gasps> contemplating oh. life. So with your heads together? Yeah. So basically we're laid the back of our heads, our feet are in opposite directions. We're laid on our our backs and our heads are on each other's shoulders and our cheek, our one cheek are like pressed up against one another. And it's oddly satisfying because I think what the cheek receives such little touch. Like when do you touch your cheek? Like never, and you're washing your face or whatever, right? And so because the cheek receives such little touch when it has this prolonged contact, it's deeply relaxing, deeply satisfying, and so intimate. Like even though there's not so much like body surface in contact, it's just the che- literally just the cheek and then like yeah, the, the back of your head on their shoulder. And usually we'll like hold hands or something. Um, but yeah, everyone is always really surprised by that one. And it is definitely always one of my favorites. You have to try it. That sounds fantastic. And also kind of like picturesque. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Just like two teenagers laying in the park and looking at the sky, <laughs> contemplating life. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Um, so the last two questions. One is what turns you on? And that can be like sexually, but it can also be like creatively, energetically, intellectually, like however you want to take it. Hmm. Um, what turns me on is someone who is really concise with their decision-making, like someone who is also like a strong leader and facilitator. Um, like I, I am also like that, but when I am able to be in the presence of someone and just like, oh, like you're also competent, so I can like give a raise <laughs> to you. Like, thank God. Like, yeah, you can so, like, exactly. Like, so someone who allows me to like, yeah, take a break and not like, you know, be the one like constantly, like carefully facilitating or in the leadership role. I'm just like, oh, yes, serene. So yeah. That, that is very, very hot. Um, and finally, what do you love? Oh, people, humans, Louisa, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like, yeah, I, I love you. So much. I'm so much. It's, it's, I can really, I really truly feel like I can find common ground with anyone and connect with anyone. And yeah, I just, I love them. <laughs> well, as you say that you literally glow. <laughs> yeah. So it's been so nice getting to know you better and to know more about your cuddle practice. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, It's been a delight to have you on Sober Pill. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Louisa. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome.
creativity, authenticity, body autonomy, mental health, sexuality, gender identity, recovery, recovery, got it, mental growth, suffer, sex, all of this and more. Gender identity, recovery, recovery, got a spiritual growth. Summer.